0: Three Dog Thursday on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network presented by MyBookie.ag. Use the promo code SGP for up to $1,000 in deposit bonuses. That's MyBookie.ag and the promo code SGP to play, win, and get paid. We're also brought to you in part by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network College Football Tournament. We're simulating real college football playoff-type games that you can bet on every Saturday and Sunday night in June. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash CFT for all the details. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash CFT. We're also brought to you in part by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay-per-head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sports book. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this
1: week's matchup pro and college football with just one catch. We're only
0: interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. Here we are back again one more time in the month of June, and it's great to be with you here on the only digital radio show that is normally, typically devoted exclusively to those underdogs. Right now, we've had to be creative over these past few months because of the coronavirus outbreak and the lack of games, although sports slowly starting to come back into focus now with the NASCAR circuit, the PGA Tour, UFC fights, boxing going on in this country, European soccer happening, and soon enough... We will have, wait a minute, I'm looking to verify, yes, it does say it here, Major League Baseball trying to play later this summer, it does look that way, uh, as they've come to an agreement for a much, much shorter season, more on that in a couple of moments, but Uh, NBA playoffs coming, NHL playoffs coming, hopefully football coming in the fall. We're here to talk all about it. And however you found this program, through a social media link, through the Sports Gambling Podcast network of shows on sportsgamblingpodcast.com, thank you for doing so. A reminder to subscribe to us, however you found us. Just search for Three Dog Thursday on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. Fire away, subscribe, and give us a five-star review. Again, numerous ones of you have been giving us reviews on Apple, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Keep it coming because more people will find the podcast. Subscribe, and it comes automatically to you on Thursday. Whenever the new show is out, it comes your way here on an immediate notification if you're a subscriber. So, again, my thanks to my guys, Sean Green, Ryan Kramer, uh, all the guys, Colby Dant and company with the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. of shows for their help, uh, their feed. But again, subscribe away uh, to this podcast and you'll get it automatically to you besides just going and finding it uh, through them. So however you found it, I'm grateful you did. We've got great guests coming up, several of them. Brian Edwards will be here straight ahead. On the podcast, Uh, he will be giving us some handicapping insight, not only into the startup of the Major League Baseball season, some odds to win the World Series. He's got more on the college football, dark horses to win the Heisman that have got some great odds as underdogs. That's what we do here as part of Three Dog Thursday with the underdogs. He loves a couple of guys uh, out of the South, but also one in the West to keep an eye on. As Heisman long shots right now on the future odds. Brian will also have a couple of underdogs for this weekend's UFC Ultimate Fighting Championship fight card in Las Vegas, UFC Vegas 4 that will be taking place. I look forward to talking with him. And is the case, uh, as was the case last week, it's the case again this week, we've got a couple of video uh, interviews. One of them is obviously playing right here. In fact, uh, uh, all of it will play right here on the podcast. But we want you to go find the video interviews on the 3Dog Thursday YouTube page and on social media. Uh, The video interviews will continue with Craig Calcaterra. He is with us from NBCSports.com, their Hardball Talk cover. Coverage of Major League Baseball. Craig has got great insight as a senior writer, columnist for that site, but also as a lawyer, uh, as a as a former practicing uh, attorney that understands business law and labor law. He's got great insight on why this took so long. What does it mean for the proposed new labor deal? Uh, again, the MLB labor deal expires after next year, 2021. A lot of jockeying, maneuvering. Why do we not have baseball going on right now in June? Craig Calcaterra will be here to talk about it. Again, that is on video on YouTube. You can see what we look like through the Three Dog Thursday YouTube page, but you'll hear the audio of that conversation that I had with him uh, here now that baseball has settled things right here on the podcast. And then we will wrap things up with two of my faves, uh, both Matt Zimick out west in Phoenix, uh Matt uh, does a fantastic job writing college sports football and basketball also big into tennis he's well rounded on everything he'll be on a little brief round table with Price Atkinson another buddy of mine uh Price in the eastern time zone here in South Carolina and the greater Charlotte upstate South Carolina area I look forward to talking with those guys about uh, the tennis situation Tennis uh, has had a coronavirus outbreak. What does it mean as they're trying to play the U.S. Open later this uh, late summer, early fall? They're trying to resume some kind of tennis season. We'll talk to Matt about that. Uh, We'll talk as well about the Bubba Wallace uh, controversy this week at Talladega for the NASCAR. Um, Again, it deserves an awful lot of attention because, especially for sports that are deep-rooted in the South, uh, there is obvious reform that is needed. For the racial heritage of the South and, and in the sport, Bubba Wallace is the only active top series driver in NASCAR that is black. And you, you obviously know about... Uh, The controversy and the images, I'll I'll have some comments with Matt Zimmick and with Price Atkinson on this. We'll talk some Major League Baseball and all of that uh, as well. And again, that roundtable is on video. Go find our YouTube page, Three Dog Thursday's YouTube page, and subscribe to see the video conversation just like the audio conversation right right here uh, as part of the actual podcast. Uh, Itself, the audio podcast. So you got two different ways to find the same show. Not everything will be on video, but a lot of it will be there, so go find it on YouTube. All right, let's get rolling with our guest, with the insight, with the topics of the week. So much to discuss from MLB coming back. We've got controversy with positive coronavirus tests on the PGA Tour as they're playing in Connecticut. Uh, This week we'll talk some NASCAR, again, some baseball, some college football, and much more. Let's get rolling. Yes, with the baseball agreement uh, in the fold, and apparently they're going to try to get this underway in July. He is leading off, and we are going to talk a little baseball at the beginning here with Brian Edwards of Vegas Insider and MajorWager.com. Good to be back with you. Uh, I know you're not big into baseball, and frankly, they've stamped out a lot of the casual sports fans, really, with what has gone on, the acrimony and not uh, creating a deal, so I appreciate that. But anyway, good to have you. We're going to talk some baseball. We're going to go right in your wheelhouse with some college football and some UFC underdogs before we're done. First of all, how you feeling? Everything good here, late June? Oh man, everything's uh, everything's great. I mean, the pessimistic
2: COVID uh, spikes are, you know, that's kind of a, a bummer. But then again, maybe it's good to get it out of their system in Baton Rouge and Clemson and. Or not. I don't know. We don't really know. But, um, you know, there's also a spike in testing, which the media doesn't cover that right. much. But um, so and the age is going down. And, and look, most of the LSU guys are, are asymptomatic or, or certainly none of them needed hospitalization. So that's a good thing. Same with Clemson.
0: Well, and one of the things that we need to keep in mind here uh, is that everybody is going to be reasonable with this, but you've got to be prepared for positive tests across the board. And what do you do if there are some? Especially, Brian, if we're going to start getting into these NBA playoff situations, regular season playoffs, NHL playoffs, the baseball season starts up, so that's the pros. But when we get there for the colleges, it's you know just one of the larger concerns. What happens if you have an outbreak? And you have 10 guys, 15 guys on a college team test positive. What are you going to do? Is that whole team going to be shut down? They gotta, they've got to start discussing this as conferences, as schools. What are the contingencies? Because it is foolish to think that there aren't going to be positive tests. We're already seeing it, like you mentioned. Clemson, LSU, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, on and on. Yeah, well, I mean,
2: we'll see how it goes. Fortunately for football, they're going to get to see about a month of what happens with MLB and NBA with those uh, sports starting up in late July. So, um, you know, I've read the – or I haven't read the whole thing because, gosh, it's a novel, but (laughs) the NBA protocols are basically, you know, if you test positive, you're in quarantine for at least 10 days, maybe 14 and anybody who was in close contact with you, you know, has to get tested. Right. I think if they test negative that they're still okay. So we may have a football season where some teams get lucky. I mean, let's say a Texas a and going to Tuscaloosa, and Najee Harris and Jalen Waddle and Dylan Moses test positive that week, <laughs> and they're out that week. Well, isn't that convenient for the Aggies? And if I'm not making
0: look. I'm not making fun of COVID nineteen, but if that scenario happens for Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher lights a cigar and raises a glass of his favorite beverage. If if that if he plays Alabama at Alabama without those guys, but you're right, we got to be ready for what happens if some of these star players have it, and what are they going to do? They've got to prepare for this. Uh, And you're right, in some of these pro sports leagues, it may may be simpler to look at the tax code and understand it than, than what they're doing for all of the coronavirus contingencies. Let's hope they get it all worked out. All right, so as far as baseball, we'll get back to college football in a moment. But as far as baseball, they've apparently worked things out. They're going to start in late July. It's going to be a short, regular season. We believe somewhere around... Sixty games interesting that some sports books have begun to release uh, odds futures odds, and of course, the Dodgers and the Yankees are two of the of the stalwart favorites uh, the scandalous Astros interesting odds to win the World Series twelve to one right now. I had a couple that popped out defending champion Washington Nationals um, at eighteen to one that i 'm seeing on these future odds. my Tampa Bay Rays, who won. Uh, 96 games a year ago, Brian Edwards, 20 to 1. Anaheim Angels, the LA Angels of Anaheim with Mike Trout, uh, with Albert Pujols. I know he's aging. Maybe some questions about their pitching staff. They're interesting at 20 to 1 also. So, some interesting value. Nationals, 18 to 1. Your Atlanta Braves, even, who made the playoffs last year with Ronald Acuna, the, the superstar, short season. They're 16 to 1. So, I don't know how inclined a lot of the public will be to bet on future World Series odds. But it's interesting that some teams are getting, you know, 16, 18-to-1, 20-to-1 odds right now. You can get them for that at some of the sports books, right? Yep.
2: Um. I will not offer any knowledge there other than <laughs> I'll put my MLB knowledge up in a trivia contest from the 80s, 90s, and 2000 against yes. anybody <laughs> not named Peter Gammons or Tim Kirkton. <laughs> but... Uh, I know nothing the last 10 years, so I'll just let you carry uh, well, on. Well, I
0: mean, how about all you need to know is the Washington Nationals a year ago only won 27 of their first 60 games, 27 and 33. So if you're going off a short season, look at the Nats, the world champions last year. They wouldn't have even been a playoff team. So this is going to be crazy on who can break out and do well in the first uh, 60 games to be able to make the postseason that they're going to play in late July, August and September and then go to their postseason. Uh, with what 's going to happen hey uh, uh, it is it is interesting they did uh, announce i don 't know if you 're in favor of this i 'm going to hit you with this real quick, kind of like the softball rules uh, uh, back in the day, kind of like the minor league baseball rule. They have now said that the tenth inning in major league games this is legit it 's confirmed the tenth inning oh, will, will will begin with the last out, the last guy making an out in the ten, in the ninth inning starting off on second base to start the next inning, top and bottom, the last out of the top of the ninth, the last out of the bottom of the ninth, will start on second base to try to help run scoring, help 13-inning, 15-inning, 16-inning games from not happening. You thumbs up or thumbs down on trying to quicken it? Does The purist hate this, Brian. You thumbs up or thumbs down uh, on trying that?
2: Well, I, I say thumbs up, but with, when I was a purist back in the day, I mean, we never would have gotten – uh, Rick Camp's home run in the seventeenth uh, <laughs> in that July fourth July fourth game. 4th game. It's coming up, pitch. right? I can I can honestly say I watched every pitch of that game. I'm one of the few in the crowd. Uh,
0: no doubt that July fourth Mets Braves game from the mid '80s still legendary because they shot the fireworks off at 4 a.m. and the 911 calls went crazy from people thinking the weapons were coming were under it's attack. Back. Exactly when Camp hit the home run. Uh, and they fired off the uh, the fireworks. It's crazy. Um, so, yeah, I I don't know. I've heard a lot of different uh, arguments for and against. I don't know that I like this. Yeah, in the softball league, we wanted to get done quickly. Because there was also usually an hour time limit in the softball league, trying to get done quickly. Minor league baseball, again, has used this with put the runner on second to start extra innings. And this, uh, this will be something that baseball tries here in the regular. I don't know if they're going to do it in the postseason, but they're going to try it at least in the regular season. Let's move on with Brian Edwards, MajorWager.com here, and uh, also Vegas Insider. Love his insight on Three Dog Thursday to college football. Again, you mentioned uh, a positive COVID test. We were going over some of the scenarios there. So that's away from the field. Let's hope that as this progresses into July and August, things get safer, we get back to some normalcy of being able to have the practices uh, and the games come off on schedule you're still looking at futures odds for the Heisman Trophy I know you're writing about this on majorwager.com you've been big in the past Talked to us in the past about Najee Harris of Alabama being an excellent futures play you've got a couple of other guys both in the ACC one at North Carolina one at Clemson that you also like if you're looking to put a little money on a futures play for the Heisman Trophy tell me who they are and what their odds are and why uh, so
2: rising true sophomore quarterback, Sam Howell at North Carolina, 38 to 7 TDI and T ratio as a true freshman. Most touchdown passes by a true freshman in FBS history. He's got two 1,000-yard receivers coming back. He's got two running backs that both went uh, for more. One went over 1,000 yards rushing. One went over 900 yards uh, rushing 10 total starters back on offense. North Carolina is going to be dynamic offensively, and we'll see what if they can get a split with UCF Auburn in the first two weeks at UCF and Orlando, Auburn, and Atlanta. If they can win one of those two. I think they win out with the possible exception of at Miami and get a rematch with Clemson. So if they're 10 and 2 and he has a big game against Clemson, ACC championship game. And his numbers are, you know, he threw for more than 3,600 yards last year, a great TDI and T ratio. And he could orchestrate a a upset against Clemson, which he almost did last year. He could be in the mix. Now I see he's all the way, only 15 to one odds at five dimes, but I've seen other places at 25 to one in the last week or so. I haven't really perused in the last 24 hours, but uh, Howell at 20, 25 to 1 might be worth a
0: shot. And hey, I'll also throw before you get Go to ahead. your second one, I saw Mac Brown. Uh, he was on a Fox Sports uh, video chat that was online, uh, talking with Rob Stone, their host with Urban Meyer and a couple of their other analysts, Brady Quinn. and Mac Brown just raving about Sam Howell's maturity. Uh, And again, Mac Brown had Vince Young at Texas, obviously, so he knows about having star power at quarterback, but he was raving about Sam Howell. So just file that away for whatever it's worth. And interesting that North Carolina will get some marquee games, like you mentioned, that Auburn game. If he plays great in that Auburn game, he immediately gets into the conversation uh, for North Carolina if he can do so. So that's a good one. And you have another ACC guy, and it's it's not a surprise where you're going. You're going to a Clemson guy.
2: Yeah, Travis E10, the running back, last year 1,614 rushing yards, 19 touchdowns, 7.8 yards per carry average, also had 37 receptions for 432 yards and four touchdowns. You know, if Trevor throws some interceptions like he did last year and, and is kind of out of the mix. We, we know Clemson will be in the college football and title picture, and if E10's putting up big numbers, and you know they will be nursing leads in the second half and maybe more touches, more stats, Uh, He, I've seen anywhere from 20 to 33
0: to 1. Interesting. I know you're touting Najee Harris because a couple of Alabama guys, as we keep mentioning, Derek Henry and Mark Ingram, have won the Heisman as running backs. It's going to be a little tougher for a running back, not at Alabama, to do it, but maybe it's E10 and it's his time at Clemson. We'll see. And at the risk of us being biased, because we talk so much about the South, you and I are in the South, we're in the state of Florida, Uh, we, we lean towards the SEC and the ACC. Let's swing out west for a futures odds for the uh, for the Heisman. I know you you love the Arizona State quarterback, and he's got a huge uh, underdog odd attached to him for the Heisman Trophy. Give me more. Yeah, J- Jaden Daniels seventy five to one. He like a like Sam
2: Howell, a great true freshman season. Uh, Last year, 17-2 to TDI and T-ratio. He can run it as well. Uh, They're going to be very good offensively. I worry about their defense, and I just worry if they're going to be – I mean, I think they're going to be good, like, you know, uh, at least a seven-win team, probably an eight-win team, maybe a nine-win team. I just don't know if that and being out west. I don't know if he could be in the mix unless they're – a 10 win team now they did upset Oregon last year um that's from the other division though I'm not even looking at their schedule I I, I think they have them again this year oh wait Pac-12 do they all play each other they do
0: they do vary it up yes with the uh with the south and the north and Daniels again was brilliant in that Oregon game but I think you bring up a great point too How many times is he going to play a marquee game that everybody sees during the regular season, especially with the Pac-12 playing late night Saturday night? That may hinder him. It doesn't hinder you as much if you play for USC or Oregon uh, for those programs, but Arizona State may have more trouble being in the marquee slot, let's say the 3.30 Eastern time slot, on ABC for most of the country or a primetime eight Eastern time game. Arizona State may not be in a lot of those. They're more or less like a ten thirty Eastern, eleven Eastern, seven thirty or eight yeah. PM in the West. That may hurt Jaden Daniels no matter what his numbers are or how he plays. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I'm looking at the schedule. Remember they had Michigan State in week two the last couple of years, but they they drop off the non non-con- their non conference is Northern Arizona at home. And at UNLV and BYU at home. So, I mean, they'll get the at, at USC game. Maybe that could be a yep. 338. There you go. Game. There you
0: go. We're prime time. At, yep, yep.
2: Yeah, and they get at Oregon. So, hopefully those two games will be in good slots for him.
0: <laughs> All right. So, there's some futures odds uh, on Heisman winners. We talk a little college football uh, on this show in the season. We're talking it here in June as part of Three Dog Thursday. And before Brian Edwards is out of here, you're always salivating at the UFC Ultimate Fighting Mixed Martial Arts. They progress on, still fighting for now in Las Vegas, soon to be fighting in July on their Fight Island in the Middle East. And you've got a couple of underdogs for those looking to wager for mixed martial arts purposes in the UFC this weekend. Give me a fighter or two that you got your eye on for Saturday Night ESPN. What do you like? Okay, the co-main event, Mickey Gall,
2: plus 260 against Mike Perry. I'm not saying risk a lot, but we can get paid a lot (laughs) with plus 260. Now, Gall is not very good stand-up. Mike Perry is a very good stand-up fighter, but I think Gall – can initiate some clinch situations, maybe get a takedown, and if he wants to turn it into an ugly fight, and he would win a wrestling, grappling affair. An interesting thing on Mike Perry, who's only two and five in his last seven fights but has been fighting top competition, he has left his training camp team. He's got this new girlfriend of like uh, three months only. She's going to be the only person in his corner. He's just a weirdo kind of like that. That doesn't bode well for him. The other underdog is Kama Worthy, plus 220, made his UFC debut last August on four days' notice and won by first-round knockout. He was 5-0 and oh, uh, in his previous five on the regional circuits going into that, so 6-0 and oh run for him. And then an under 1.5 at a plus 110 underdog return rate for Brendan Allen versus Kyle Dalkus. In a middleweight fight, I like it, under one and a half rounds, plus 110. Allen had 14 career wins, 8 by submission, 5 by KO. Dalkus 9-0 and with 8 submissions. I think it'll uh, end in round one or the first part of round two.
0: Interesting. All right, so keep an eye on a couple of those, and Brian will be writing those up as well on MajorWager.com, depending on when you're hearing us, as underdog propositions for the UFC. It's UFC Vegas 4 Saturday night ESPN televising. We're all about the underdogs here on Three Dog Thursday. Tell them more. I just teased a little bit. Tell them more about how they find you, how they find your stuff. Brian Edwards.
2: Yes. uh, My Twitter uh, handle is at Edwards. If you want to follow the Major Wager Twitter, it is at Major Wager Uno, U-N-O, and yeah. You can get my picks at Vegas Insider. I'll have UFC preview on Vegas Insider, and then just my picks will be on Major Wager um, uh, da, 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 late Friday or early Saturday. But it'll be an in-depth preview on Vegas Insider.
0: Love all of this. And, again, for the college football futures or anything else, he's got it all. Great information. Let me one
2: more thing in, Yeah, TJ. please. Go ahead. Those UFC picks last week, 4-1 for 5.68
0: units of profit how about that and it's in particular if you're picking underdogs it's even more profitable we like that so he's he's uh rolling along in the ufc he's giving you some future odds in the heisman trophy and all this we love brian edwards have a great weekend my friend uh we always love it the next time we talk to you it's july and headed to july 4th weekend on Three dog thursday thank you sir thanks brother have a great weekend Still to come, we'll be talking some baseball straight ahead. Craig Calcaterra with us from NBCSports.com. He's got great insight on the MLB labor fight that is now at least a truce. We're going to see some baseball. We'll get some thoughts from Craig on that. And then a little roundtable with Price Atkinson and Matt Zimick. still to come. Different subjects like COVID-19 uh, infiltrating the world of tennis, one of uh, Matt's fortes. We'll also talk about the NASCAR controversy uh, with the race at Talladega and Bubba Wallace, the black driver, and, and everything that happened with the alleged hate crime that went on and how it was covered. All of that still to come. For right now, though, we remind you that Three Dog Thursday is brought to you in part by MyBookie.ag. Look, We have been starved for sports, and we're slowly getting it all back, whether, as we mentioned, it's NASCAR or the PGA Tour or boxing or the UFC. You can even wager at mybookie.ag on things like the Premier League soccer. As sports start to come back, whether it's baseball or the NBA or the NHL with their playoffs, you can get a hold of all of it at mybookie.ag. You can take advantage right now uh, of their dynamic betting lines on all the major sports as they resume, everything that's happening, and with MyBookie's dynamic odds, you get right to the spot and the place to maximize your chance to win on a big bet. Sign up right now at MyBookie with this promo code, SGP, for Sports Gambling Podcast. SGP is the promo code. You put in $100, they'll match it up to $50, 50% of that. Put in $500, you get $250 more to... Play with with our promo code SGP. It's when you make that initial deposit, they're going to match you fifty percent for whatever you put in. And as always, with my bookie, you bet, you win, and most importantly, when you win, you get paid. Again, mybookie.ag. The promo code SGP. And we're also brought to you in part by Ace Per Head. If you've ever thought of starting your own sports book but don't know how, Ace Per Head is here to help. With everything that you need, an all-inclusive professional betting site with all the lines updated to the second and wagers graded immediately. They have top-notch customer support 24-7 and some of the sharpest lines in the industry. And again, all the sports coming back. You've got UFC, you've got NASCAR, boxing now back, golf back. Soon enough, it's going to be the NBA and the NHL resuming their seasons later in the summer. Ace Per Head offers it all, including live betting, amazing mobile experience. Get started today, and Ace is offering up to six weeks free. Go to aceperhead.com for the offer, slash SGP. aceperhead.com slash SGP to find out more about the free offer that's up there now with Ace Per Head. dogs are barking. who will get it done this week three dog thursday now continues here again is tj reeves we do roll on it is three dog thursday however you found us remember subscribe away on apple podcasts on spotify for the audio and right now if you found us on video we're on youtube and through a social media link however you found us I'm merely TJ. I've got a great guest to help decipher all of what's going on with this baseball labor fight, the deal that is now in place. It looks like we're going to have baseball. Let's say hello and welcome in from NBCSports.com. I have loved the writings and the insight of Craig Calcaterra, and he is right here with me right now on Three Dog Thursday. Good to be with you, sir. Thank you for making time. Thank you for being willing to do the video thing.
1: Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely.
0: Okay, so first things first, what in the name of Abner Doubleday took two months to get us to this point? I, I, I've been reading you, but I want you to articulate here.
1: Uh, it's really simple. The owners didn't want to negotiate what they were supposed to negotiate. Uh, the moment the owners actually made an offer that conformed with the rules for the negotiation – That was June 17th. That was the first time they made an offer that actually conformed with the March agreement that they made with the players. They had a deal five days later and they could start planning for the season. For the three months in between those times, the owners were trying to negotiate something completely different that was completely out of it. It's like if you and I got together and we said, hey, we're going to go out for dinner next week. We could do Italian or we could do barbecue. And you spent the next 20 minutes talking about Chinese. No, no, no. we already established (laughs) Italian or barbecue. The minute you started picking Italian or barbecue places, hey, we had a deal. We figured it out. That's what that was all about.
0: Uh, it sounds like you have a preview into my house. and I know you have teenage kids and I have twin daughters and it, yeah, we, 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 we said Italian. Um, yeah. Uh, I should mention, I should uh, back up here that Craig also has a legal background and an understanding of the labor fight. Um, I, I'm operating off of a very convoluted, complicated premise for the audience. My tongue firmly in my cheek here from a legal standpoint, Uh rule of thumb. The baseball players have always won. This is very hard to understand. They have always won in court against the owners. Not some of the time, not most of the time. They have always won. And I know one of the things that you've been writing about on NBCSports.com is is the pending grievance that would be filed. And I don't have any reason to doubt that the players will end up getting more than just the prorated 50, 60, 70 games, whatever it's going to ultimately be 60, 65 games uh, for the regular season. I don't have any doubt right now that they're going to get more money than that down the road because in this agreement, right, Craig, there is no, hey, you will not sue, cease fire, do not file a grievance, right?
1: Right. That's certainly the case. During that three months when they weren't really meeting up, um, there was a pretty good argument to be made that the owners were arguing in bad faith. And, and I use that as a legal term. It's too boring to get into in the details. It's not, it doesn't just mean that they're, they're being ornery or they're being difficult. There's a legal thing called they're arguing in bad faith. They're arguing about the wrong things. There was a, there's a reason to believe that the players have a good case against that, I think the owners even knew that they were arguing in bad faith because towards the end there, they asked the players, "Hey, will you waive the right? Please give up any chance of a grievance against us?" And the players said no. They ended up coming not to a deal. The owners are just imposing the season, and the players still do have a right to file a grievance with a neutral arbitrator. Will they? I don't know. Um, there's a there's an, ar- there's a lot of arguments back and forth as to whether they should or whether they will. Um, I don't think it's a, a drop dead given that they would win it either. Um, but they have a pretty good chance if they do. All of this is just a, a preview of what's going to happen you know, a little over a year from now when the two sides start to negotiate the next collective bargaining agreement. So uh, yeah, just bad faith, ugliness for three months. Now that's all finally settled for the time being.
0: And again, they agreed in March to prorated salary for whatever number of games were played. And it was the owners after that agreement in writing that wanted to change it. And that's what you've been referring to uh, with the whole good faith, bad faith uh, negotiations. Uh, I, I had somebody else very profound explain this to me 25 years ago in terms of contract law. Rule number one of contract law, what does the contract say? What was agreed to? Because that's what an arbiter or a judge uh, I didn't have to go to law school to understand that. That's what an arbiter or a judge is going to look at, right? What, first of all, what does the contract say, right?
1: Right. And a lot of what's happened is the people that have been arguing about it haven't seen the contract. The <laughs> Even better. Seen the, the language to it. Uh, you know, it, a lot of people said, well, the players said that if uh, there were no fans in the stands, they would renegotiate salary. No, the deal never said that. There are a lot of people on the ownership side who believe that or think that or think that should be true. And I'd say about 75% of the people that you read in the baseball media have their sources with ownership, right? They're being told some things that aren't exactly true that make owners look better. Uh, that's why it was being widely misreported that, uh, the, uh, that the players had some right or had some duty to renegotiate salary. They didn't. It was a settled term.
0: All right, there you go. That's the voice of Craig Calcaterra. If you're only hearing us on the Three Dog Thursday podcast through Apple Podcasts, through Spotify, through Google Podcasts, a social media link, if you found us, Uh, find the video as well on YouTube because we're talking uh, about the major league baseball labor fight right now. And I'm referring to some of Craig's uh, work. Uh, You get to see him, see what he looks like. Uh, We're having a fantastic time discussing this for a few more minutes on the podcast, whether it's audio or video. And again, subscribe to the YouTube page, uh, wherever you found the video, on social media, subscribe away, come find the show. So you wrote on NBCSports.com for earlier here about, okay, how is the 2020 season going to unfold? For those of us On video, you're seeing Craig's uh, article right here on how it's going to unfold with the schedule. So let's talk a little bit about the schedule. You're going to play essentially your division, home and away for 40 of the games, we believe. And then you're going to play interleague games in the different regions. The East will play the East. The Central will play the Central. The West will play the West. It's right there uh, as you have laid it out. Are you fine with this? Uh, Is something better than nothing? Could they have done better? What do you think, Craig?
1: It's not ideal. I don't think there's any situation that would be ideal if you're only going to play 60 games and if you're going to try to limit travel and if you're going to try to have all these other sort of procedures about rosters and things like that, which we'll probably talk about a little bit more of here. Um, you know, there's going to be unfairness involved. Uh, the Central, for example, is going to be a pretty easy uh, place to play. There are a lot of really bad teams in both Central divisions. I, I don't have the exact numbers, but I think someone said that uh, the Twins, who obviously won the AL Central last year, and the Cardinals will play, you know, a very vanishing small number of games against teams who were over 500 last year who are expected to do well. Um, it's, it's, you know, in the East, on the other hand, there's going to be a bunch of monsters. Uh, there's also this issue with travel, uh, in the East, uh, the teams that are in the Northeast, like the Yankees, the Phillies, the Mets, the, the Red Sox, the Orioles, the Nationals, they're not going to have to travel far. I think they only have to travel like once more than like 250 miles or something. Whereas if you're in the West, you have to go across two or three different time zones uh, right. and you're traveling over. I mean, Seattle and, and Texas are in the same division, right? They're going to be traveling and uh, playing each other. Houston's even farther. They're going to be playing them. Uh, That's something that's never new though to the AL West or the NL West. So, you know, is that a big deal? I'm not sure. The ultimate question is whether 60 games, no matter who you're playing is a, is a fair test of team quality. Uh, A lot of people have a lot of opinions about that. I tend to think it's a fairer test than a lot of folks say. Um, If you look back, uh, over the last 25 years of having uh, you know, three divisions in each league and a wild card, something like 70% of the time uh, through game 60, uh, I'm sorry, through game 60, 70% of the playoff teams are set almost every year. In the last five years, we haven't had one season where more than three of the 10 ultimate playoff teams weren't in playoff position after 60 games. We won't have some surprise teams like the Nationals right. surge late. Last we won't year. Have, like, Yeah, right. Just last year. That's the big example. But that's actually kind of the exception to the rule. Uh, The 2002 A's who came on really late. People talk about them. Most of the time after 60 games, you have a pretty good idea of who's going to be good. And and if you don't believe it numerically, just fall back on on the old adage. What do people say every year in in March, April, early May when, when some teams are doing good, some teams are underperforming? People have always said this in baseball. Wait until Memorial Day. We'll see how things are doing Memorial Day. That's pretty much when you know who's good and who's bad. Memorial Day last year, game
0: 57-58. And, again, that's because two months have settled in. Pitching rotations have settled in. Have you developed uh, young players or not at the beginning of the season? You can't judge everything, but it is, it is a good barometer. I'm still in the camp that we should have gotten at least 81 games. Out of this and should have been playing all of June, shoulda, coulda, woulda, all of July, all of August, and all of September, uh, even if you didn't have enhanced more teams in the playoffs. That's just my belief on that. Couple couple more moments. Craig Calcaterra with me here from NBCSports.com. Uh, great baseball insider, uh, legal analyst as well for the whole labor fight all across the board. Are you fine? Uh, I was asking one of our guests before you came on. Are you fine with this idea of put the runner on second to start the extra inning, top and bottom of the extra innings, uh, in your in your purest form? You got We all got to swallow and accept. Are you fine with that?
1: You know, theoretically, I hate it, right? And when this this rule first came up in the minor leagues a couple of years ago, I was just appalled. It just seems like you know, it's like playing in the backyard, ghost runner on second or something. Who does that with professional baseball? I will admit, though, I live in a triple-A town. I live in Columbus, Ohio. We have the Columbus Clippers, who are the Indians' uh, top farm team here. I go to a lot of Clippers games. Last couple of years, I've gone to a couple of games, at least, that went through innings, and they started it with that. Is it ideal? No. It's a little anticlimactic. It's kind of like how NFL sudden death overtime used to be, when someone gets wins the coin toss, goes down, kicks a field goal, without the other team never getting possession. Oh, great. That was fun. It's very, very deflating. Uh, it's not the end of the world though. It could be a little fun too if someone can't get a bunt down. I get why they're doing it though. They don't want to have 15, 16, 17 inning games going on. The rosters are already going to be stretched because of health, guys sitting out, pitchers' arms, things like that. I understand it. I don't like it. But at the same time, it's not the end of the world. There are way worse things going on in the year 2020 <laughs> than a runner at second base in the 10th inning.
0: We should, we should point out that apparently they've rediscovered the Loch Ness Monster over in the UK as we tape right. Three Dog Thursday. I mean, Why not? It's 2020. As somebody put on social media, and I thought it was tremendous, who had the Loch Ness Monster on the 2020 bingo card? I don't think a lot of people, but it's out it there.
1: It wasn't even the biggest long shot at this it's, point. Yeah, yeah, it surprised We can deal. We'll live.
0: Uh, A couple more on the rule changes for Craig Calcaterra here. Before we get out of here, it's Three Dog Thursday. Uh, We're on the video on YouTube. Again, uh, whether you found us through a social media link or the audio, find the video uh, as well. Are you fine with DH, both American League, National League? And is it maybe a precursor that we're permanently going to see the DH in both leagues? What are you hearing? What do you think?
1: Well, as far as my opinion, I'm totally fine with it. I grew up as a National League fan, and so on some weird level, I like to see pitchers hit, but it's also terrible. Pitchers can't hit. They're never going to hit. Any argument you hear about maybe pitchers should hit, oh, it's exciting. It's just completely obliterated, in my view anyway. Look, I know this is a religious issue with some people, but it's completely obliterated, in my view, with the fact that even the best pitchers hitting, Zach Grinke, the best hitting pitcher in baseball right now, would never make a roster as a hitter. He's that bad. He couldn't even hold his own in the minor leagues as a hitter. We're excited when Bartolo Colon hits a home run. He did it once in 22 years. Bartolo Colon has more families <laughs> then he has career <laughs> home runs. I do not need to see pitchers batting. That being said, yeah, it's going to be weird. I also think that we're going to see this permanently. It's it, Right now on the books for 2021, we're going to go back to the DH uh, not existing in the National League. I have this feeling they're going to make a side agreement before next season that we will have the DH universal. Players have wanted it for years because the roster spot's more valuable uh, for a DH than it is for a relief pitcher or something like that. Uh, teams like it too because they know that uh, pitchers can't hit. Uh, Gives some flexibility and things like that. I think the last hitting pitcher in a game that counted was Garrett Cole in game seven of the 2019 world series. He struck out on three pitches.
0: Mm, yeah. Well, by and large, they are completely ineffective. Uh, not unlike this show at times, completely ineffective before we get out of here. A couple of more. All right. So the three batter rule, I'm highlighting this for the audience on video. You wrote this here. People need to be aware. This is going to go as planned uh, that now, Uh, if you come in as a pitcher, it's not just going to be a one-off to come in to pitch to one guy, and that's it. you got to have the three batters that you face, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yep, Uh, that was the rule they've been talking about for a couple years. They announced it back in February before all this happened, and it's one of the few things that uh, was new for 2020 that they've decided to keep, even with the weird (laughs) season. I I think Rob Manford is just in with that one, and uh, teams have started to plan around it. Uh, and no one really threw up an objection during negotiations for this shortened season. Uh, It's something we're just going to live with now.
0: And I am all for, hey, let's speed the game along with pitching rules and pitching change rules and mound visits. They tried to do this a couple of years ago with the mound visits and the amount of time between batters uh, because that's where things get really bogged down. The game doesn't have to take three and a half hours because of delays. If it's take, I, I see you nodding. If it's taking three and a half hours because it's competitive and it's fun and it's involved and there's lots of scoring, that's one thing. But three and a half hours in a one-nothing or two-to-one game because of pitching changes, delays – mound visits. Uh, We got to do better than that. Um, All right. So one more, we were talking earlier, this is an underdog podcast and and you uh, prefaced by saying, Hey, I'm not big into the lines and the spreads, but you did put this out there on uh, NBCSports.com, The, uh, the odds to win the world series, the future's odds right now to win the world series. So I have them up on the screen. We were saying uh, with one of our analysts, Brian Edwards, who's not a big baseball guy either that most everybody would favor those teams right there, the Dodgers and the Yankees where I am. Interested is in here the defending champion Nationals uh, at eighteen to uh, one on these odds, or my Tampa Bay Rays? You see the hat right over me there that I I have allegiance to them in the Tampa Bay area. Very interesting at eighteen to one there. A ninety-six win team a year ago, maybe very well built uh, for the short sixty-game.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think the I mean, again, prefacing this with I'm not a gambler and I realize right. gambling there are not about favoring the best team necessarily. It's about the action. But I think the Rays are being undersold there. They're going to be a beast this year no matter what. Uh, and the Nationals, you know, they lost some big hitters in uh, Rendon. Right. They didn't really replace them. I, I get them falling down a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think these odds sort of reflect what we were talking about. Right. It's. Uh, you know, sixty games is weird, but these are generally who we would have thought would be good in a hundred and sixty-two game season. In, do you see
0: do you so, see one that I'm highlighting right there? I have no allegiance to them. I'm not in the West Coast, but if I was looking at a futures underdog at 33 to one with Mike Trout short season, Anaheim, LA Angels of Anaheim, I might be interested in that one for thirty-three I, to I, one just I, for I whatever. A bit, it's a, right.
1: a bit of a curveball on that one Please. Mike Trout's wife is due to have a baby mm. in August and they don't know how the whole maternity, paternity leave thing is gonna work with the COVID-19 restrictions. Wow! Because you're technically vulnerable, they might get longer paternity leave. If you're Mike Trout, you'd rather be with your wife and kid Uh, he might be missing more time than you think. So I don't know about the Angels. Look at you. You look at you.
0: You're pulling pulling good uh, advice here uh, for me, for futures, (laughs) because, again, that's a bet to win the World Series right now. Not just make the playoffs, not just make the World Series, but just uh, go and do the whole thing. Just interesting. Food for thought. Again, we plug away once more. Go to NBCSports.com, their hardball uh, talk blog. That's where Craig Calcaterra does a fantastic job with updating – all of the baseball Uh, plug away on where else we can find you read you social media, please sir, for the audience. And in particular, if they're not seeing us plug away, if they're only hearing us.
1: Sure. Yeah. I'm on uh, Twitter. Uh, That's where I spend every moment of my day and anything that I write for NBC sports, I'll uh, I'll be plugging there as well at Craig Calcaterra. Uh, I also write about non-baseball things at craigcalcaterra.com, but uh, you don't care about that stuff. This is sports.
0: Uh, Yes. Okay, so check it all out there, including NBCSports.com. Craig, it was a treat. Thank you for hopping on Three Dog Thursday to talk baseball. Let's hope we get the regular season going. Let's hope that we get to a postseason. We're hopeful on all of that. Thank you for the time here. Thank you very much, TJ. And we follow up here on Three Dog Thursday with a couple of distinguished guests. Uh, here that joined me as always. I welcome in buddies of mine, east to west. I've got Price Atkinson, who is uh, in the South Carolina upstate area, kind of the greater Charlotte, North Carolina, upstate South Carolina area. Then all the way out on the left coast, it would be that way, if I get it uh, correct, is Matt Zimick? Uh, I I didn't ask this. You are Phoenix right now, not Seattle, but I always got to keep up with your west coast stops. Uh, Matt does a great job, comes on with me all the time on different subjects. So you're Phoenix right now. Yes. So that's uh that's outstanding. And and first things first, again, find the video. I keep saying this. If you're just hearing us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Red Circle, social media link, however, you found the audio, find the video. Because my man Price Atkinson is rocking the goatee. I have not seen you rock the goatee before. So the COVID goatee works right now, my friend.
3: It's been years. It's been years. But, you know, looking at myself in the mirror (laughs) way too often these last couple months, had to change something up. I got sick of looking at myself. So I'm going to say, you know, I'm trying to change who I am or at least who I look like in the mirror. My my, uh, seven-year-old daughter was saying, Daddy, there's a book with all her baby photos and uh, a picture of me with a goatee, I think like a one-year-old checkup, and she had it out like a couple weeks ago and says, Daddy, grow your beard again. And I said, you know what, fine, so be it, let's go.
0: I was going to ask, you can grow the full beard because I cannot grow the full, I can't even really get the full goatee. I just have never been able to. You can go full, I don't want to say Grizzly Adams to make that reference, but you can go like full, full camouflage if you need it. Number one, I've never
3: tried. Uh, Number two, I don't think I could. And most importantly, number three, in the middle of the South Carolina summer where humidity is dripping hot, no
0: interest. This is as
3: far as it goes right here.
0: Okay, so Zimick, I do not know this. Have you ever tried the mustache, the goatee, or the beard? Are you always clean not. shaven? You, it's I like would have fit in
4: under George Steinbrenner's Yankees. <laughs> there you go.
0: I was going I was going for that, just like Garrett Cole had to cut all of his hair and all of his facial hair, just like all the other Yankees. Uh, so, too, uh, Zimick is clean shaven. Okay, so let's get to some topics here on Three Dog Thursday. Perfect that Matt Uh, Very diverse, well-versed in a lot of sports, but you're big in tennis. And one of the controversies right now with COVID-19 and the coronavirus has to do with tennis and one of the all-time greats of the modern era in Novak uh, Djokovic testing positive for the coronavirus. So let's talk more about this story, Matt, in lightness here a little bit because this was kind of an exhibition tour that he set up, and there are several players, including he – Djokovic and his wife that now have it.
4: Yeah. So he set up this makeshift exhibition tour and fans were packed into the stands. They generally were not wearing masks and Djokovic and the other players on tour, they were hugging. Uh, They were, the tennis players were shaking hands at the net at the end of the match. You know, that's traditional tennis etiquette, but that was, that practice was not suspended for this. Players shook hands with the chair umpire at the end of the match. Also. A long standing part of tennis etiquette that was not suspended. And here you go. So Djokovic tested positive a few days after other pros, high profile pros such as Grigor Dimitrov, a former major semifinalist, Borna Chorich, a top world top 20 player, uh, also tested positive. Um, so, you know, it, it, he was very plainly, the, the tournament was not conducted responsibly. And it invites a number of, of questions. One is Djokovic is the head of the ATP player council. One wonders if that might change when tennis resumes after the <laughs> pandemic lifts, you know, that that's a, that's a tennis governance question. And then the other thing is one would like to think that tennis is longstanding practices. I mean, some of them are going to be discontinued such as ball kids sharing these sweat and mucus laden towels with players that one would think that that should go away. Ball kids shouldn't hand tennis players balls uh, during matches that should go away. And there probably shouldn't be as many ball kids period on the court. There are usually, I think eight. And I think now, you know, it would seem to be that there should be only four, you know, two in the opposite corners, two on the sides, on the opposite sides of the net, you know, to kind of uh, do a diagonal uh, layout. So There are all sorts of things that tennis needs to change, and Djokovic's exhibition tour did not put those changes into place. There was just no foresight, and here you have this mess.
0: Wow, it is a mess. Now, they are still planning to play the United States Open, the U.S. Tennis Open, at the end of August slash early September, help me on the dates, without fans. That is still tentatively the plan, right? Real quick.
4: It is August 31st through September 13th, the, no, the normal dates, uh, you know, wrapping around Labor Day weekend for the middle of the tournament. That's still the plan. Uh, you know, re- reasonably speaking, if they're going to have the tournament, they're probably going to have a lot more American and Latin American players, uh, you know, on the same continent and European players are not, some European players are not going to be there. Now Roger Federer is injured for the rest of the year. He's not going to be there no matter what, but like Rafael Nadal has expressed skepticism about taking the across a transcontinental flight. And that's going to be a big issue for Europe since most of the world's top players are in Europe. Are they going to want to come across the country? I mean, the U S open has made the exemption that They can have a travel exemption coming into New York, but will the players even want to? So it gets, it gets to a larger question about sports in, in, in the middle of a pandemic that we're going to, Talk about them on, on this show.
0: No doubt we're going to kick all of this around. So, so, Price, I'm bringing it into the golf world where they've already played in Fort Worth, Texas. They've already played in Hilton Head, South Carolina. At the time that we're taping here on Three Dog Thursday, we now have positive tests. Uh, it, it, last week there were, there were a couple. Now there are four or five more for the PGA Tour, uh, including Brooks Kepka's caddy testing positive. Uh, Last week's winner, Webb Simpson, former U.S. Open champion as well. Of course, uh, Kepken, multi-time U.S. Open and PGA championship winner, has withdrawn from the tournament in Connecticut this weekend. Uh, Also, Webb Simpson, who won the event last week in Hilton Head, he has a family member that has tested positive, so he has withdrawn. A couple of caddies tested positive uh, as well. So they put in new stringent testing guidelines. Again, golf is hoping to get to some of its bigger events, including its U.S. Open, including a November Masters. As uh, Matt Zimick was just talking about here with us, this is something we got to look at right now in the pandemic for all sports. Golf back playing, and they've got to deal with the testing component.
3: Yeah. Well, I say one thing real quick on the tennis thing, too, is I think it's just incredibly ironic that... You know, the Serbian government found nothing wrong with putting thousands of people, like Matt said, also with mostly with the people that attended those thousands without mask in that stadium. Um, So that I just, you know, the Serbian government has been, you know, out of touch, in my opinion, from the very start. But, you know, when it comes to golf, you know, here's one thing that I'm, my attention is on coming as we sit here today. Um, with what's kind of transpiring with some of the positive tests coming out of Hilton Head um, in the, uh, the event last weekend is that you're seeing some of the, you know, the caddies and uh, what Nick Watney was the first player to test right. positive over the weekend. Um, you know, here in my state, uh, unfortunately, South Carolina, which has not done some of the things that you need to do, a place that's considered a hot spot – Uh, Where you see, and I even heard from people that, you know, players saying that they did not feel like the greater public in the Hilton Head area was seemed like they were taking it very seriously. You're in Florida, when you look at the NBA that's about to restart, you know, yeah, you can be in this bubble as much as you can bubbleize. you know, a group of players, the personnel around it it's still going to find a way in there, especially in a hot spot. So, you know, with the NBA talking and going to go play at at Disney World in Orlando, how in the world are they going to keep this out? Because it's going to find a way in there. It's just how are you going to manage it once these outbreaks occur? And that is the question of the hour.
0: Well, and that is the most important question because we've already seen NFL players testing positive before their season. We've got college football players it is bury your head in the sand time, guys, to say that this is not going to happen while seasons are going on. The tour is experiencing it. The PGA tour is experiencing it. Uh, it's going to happen with all these sports. And the bigger part is the second part of what you said. How do you react? What do you do uh, if, you're, if you're Major League Baseball and you've started up and you suddenly have coronavirus for, for several guys on the same team? Do you just shut down that series that they're going to play? Uh, but these are all legitimate uh, and, and valid questions uh, with that. Again, we are kicking it around here on Three Dog Thursday. If you are hearing us only on the podcast, through Apple Podcast, through Spotify, through Google Podcasts, through all the podcast outlets, find the video here on YouTube or through a social media link of Price Atkinson and Matt Zimmick with me here during this video segment. You can see some of what we are talking about here. We're making video references Uh, that's because there is video. Go find us, subscribe on YouTube to the Three Dog Thursday video channel, but you can find us as well as uh, hear from us. All right, so another topic that I want to cover here with the panel real quick uh, involves NASCAR and all the controversy from Monday. Interesting that Price, uh, you're there in South Carolina where in Darlington, they resumed the NASCAR uh, along with Darlington and Charlotte, the NASCAR season back last month in May. They've now progressed to other tracks Uh, including Talladega for this week. And so in this instance, uh, the controversy was off the track involving a driver, uh, Bubba Wallace, who is the only black driver right now on the NASCAR cup circuit, the top circuit uh, that's there. Uh, And we're going to get into both angles of, uh, of what happened uh, when uh, someone alerted the NASCAR officials uh, to uh, what they believe to be a noose hanging in his Uh, garage area uh, and then NASCAR went to DEFCON 1 immediately to investigate even called in the FBI to come investigate as a hate crime the image we're seeing here on the video and I'm going to make it full screen for a moment uh, is the NASCAR teams and all of the drivers standing in solidarity literally pushing Bubba Wallace's car to the front Monday afternoon in the rescheduled start of the race at Talladega the heavy symbolism that is involved in what we are watching. Matt, I'll go to you first. You don't have to be a NASCAR expert. This is this is the social world, the social justice world, the race relations part intersecting with sports here. What did you make of seeing uh, these images that have been seen worldwide now for the last few days?
4: Well, you know, so I don't follow NASCAR very closely, but I obviously stay on Twitter a lot, and I fo- follow what's trending there. And, and I've seen uh, the name Jussie Smollett, trending out of a belief from a lot of people that, you know, this is a manufactured controversy akin to what happened with Jesse Smollett. And, uh, you know, so I just have to say that the idea that Bubba Wallace could have somehow orchestrated or fabricated any of this as kind of a plot uh, to earn sympathy. I mean, there's nothing to back that up in particular. And, uh, you know, this just seems like a huge culture war. And we need less culture war in our country. We need to step back from that and be kind to everybody.
0: Price Atkinson, do you have a thought or two here? Yeah,
3: I've got I've got several. Um, number one, I think just the changes that are going on with NASCAR are long overdue. I think they're needed, and I think they're going to broaden the appeal, which has been long, long overdue uh, for the sport. But I do think these these changes and these conversations are ones that we need to be having. But let me ask this: You know, to the people that think this is a hoax, and you know, national media rushed to report this. Uh, you know, you know, as Matt said, you know, the you know Jesse Smollett, you know, it's this fabricated deal. I'd just like to point out that that NASCAR was the ones that released this information to the public. Um, this was not a reporter breaking a story. NASCAR came out and announced this. Number one, number two, why would NASCAR Take a risk as big as this, and I'm going to put risk in air quotes, but why would they take a risk playing with this type of incident and issue at a place like Talladega in the heart of the South that would put a product, everything else going on, inflame it even more? Why would they do that intentionally to their brand, to their product? They would We know
0: the answer. We know the answer. They wouldn't.
3: They wouldn't. And so I think it's just crazy. Some of the people out there that they've said that this was manufactured to gain attention for bubble Wallace. I, I, it just, I'm, I'm incensed when I see people saying how this was done intentionally. Now I will say how in the world do they not realize that this noose was, was in there for, you know, as long as it reportedly been going back to the fall of last year and, you know the irony that Bubba Wallace happens to get. I think it was. I think garage number four. I it not is. a NASCAR. All right. Expert. So let me give
0: you. Let me give you some background on this because I think all of this is important. Facts yeah. are important. We all agree right. on this. So I'll, I'll give you some background uh, here on this. Uh, the first thing is this is not uh, a recent thing with whoever has been tying the pull ropes. That's what they are on the garage. This individual or a couple of individuals have tied the knot on the pool ropes for years. Let me say again, this is where reporting comes into play. And you can make the arguments that, look, right now in NASCAR, the reporters aren't allowed there. They're not allowed around the garages, uh, et cetera, to see this. The television cameras had to pick it up. But when they've gone back and looked at video of races at Talladega going back, Five years now to 2015 and 2016, over and over again at the different garages, you can see the same pull rope with the same noose-like knot for somebody to grab onto and pull down the garage handle. So the problem, these are two separate things. The problem that I had is Sunday night, we created a firestorm out of something that had a simple explanation. And NASCAR should have done some diligence and found the simple explanation, which is numerous ones of the ropes of numerous of the car bays have that knot to pull the door down. It wasn't just his, and it wasn't just for right then. They should have known that before this blew up. They should have gone and looked around before this blew up. Um, that's, that's number one. And so I, I think journalism, and we all have a journalism background. We all have journalism uh, degrees and insight and work in the media. Journalism is huge when you find out and hold people accountable for why didn't you. NASCAR deserves to be blamed for that. For I mean, when the NASCAR president, Steve Phelps, went to Bubba Wallace and said, we have a hate crime, which is what he told him, he, and they released a statement saying we're investigating a hate crime, it amped this up 10 times. I'm dominating the conversation. Somebody else, jump in on the journalism part, could have saved some uh, of, of obviously the negative reaction that we're now seeing because there was a very simple explanation for this in the end but anybody want to jump in go ahead yeah. Matt or well, Price. Matt, I
3: mean think about this too Matt like you know if reporters had been allowed in somebody like you know I think about it like a Ryan McGee who I know I think we probably all know who's been around you know the sport for a long time and he's a guy that probably could have gone in there and seen you know with his own eyes if he had gotten to look at it I, I I'm going to you know assume but you know somebody that's been around for a long time and you would think NASCAR officials who are around the sport every day would have said well you know maybe this is could this be a pull rope is this you know they could at least see this stuff and and call it into question but here's another question I've got too on the journalism side Matt, TJ, what do you think if NASCAR, if this legit you know, news, what if they had not, what if they had taken this information and they had not released this to the public or released a statement and then a journalist uncovers this? And in this world of, of transparency that, we, that so many people right. want more of, what if they had done the exact opposite of what they had done and, and tried to keep this thing quiet? I
0: think it's a great point. Matt, any other follow-ups on the journalism part of this? I think, you've, I think you've both articulated it very well. Uh, and again, uh, no one is minimizing. I mean, they were, te- they were protesting with Confederate flags outside of the track at Talladega Sunday and Monday. The, the Confederate flag needs to be gone. As somebody that's raised in the South, that was raised in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, in and around <laughs> Mississippi, where the Mississippi state flag has been the Confederate flag, that needs to be gone and done away with. Uh, in terms, of, and no one is arguing that. And, and what was done on, on Monday was out of solidarity for the drivers for one of their own who they believed, they legitimately believed he is the target of a racist hate crime. The only thing I'm saying is both things can be correct. It is awful what is going on with racism in all facets of light and sports, but we can also say this was completely overblown. It was not a hoax, it was an overblown mistake. Uh, and it could have been easily, easily uh, figured out ha- had they taken the time uh, to do so. Yeah. All right. With all NASCAR
3: has, to it, oh, me, yes. for me, with all NASCAR has done right, and I think they've done a lot of things right, I think it should be pointed out, to get their sport going again, yes. and they have been a template for a lot of other leagues and, and competitions coming in to observe how they restarted. I think they've done a lot of incredibly good things Uh, in the last few weeks and months but obviously this was a mistake and it's got to be called and I think this isn't a mistake that you start pinning on journalists this is one that needs to be pinned on NASCAR and the people at the top.
0: All right so we're just giving some opinions on this Uh, I have a quick opinion has Bryce uh, uh, has Price eaten at In-N-Out Burger recently or does he just have the shirt because they don't have In-N-Out as much in the south they have it where Zimick is in Phoenix and in the west more so. Yeah, I'm jealous I mean, where I, Matt I'm is hungry. right there in Phoenix because I'm he's hungry. got In-N-Out
3: animal style at his fingertips. <laughs>
0: Give me a double-double right now while I'm looking at Price. Before we get out of here, we've been talking a little baseball on the podcast. And, again, uh, we're hanging out here on the Three Dog Thursday podcast. Price Atkinson, who's at Price Atkinson on Twitter, along with Matt Zimmick, at Matt Zimmick. If you're only hearing us on the podcast through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, I keep saying this, a social media link, find the video, because we're talking on video on the Three Dog Thursday YouTube page. Uh, You can find it through uh, our social media. You can find the video link where you can see us. Uh, as well, C. Price rocking the goatee. Zimmick, very laid back today, casual day uh, for him. Very laid back. I like that uh, about him while he's conversing. All right, hey, so the the, the Matt, baseball. I think, yeah, I,
3: yeah. I think TJ, Matt. I think TJ's uh, like man crushing on this goatee over here. I mean, this is this is like really in its infancy, man. Here's I, I, the, I, I'm really not a bearded warrior.
0: The most fundamental question is, what does Mrs. Atkinson think? Because if she don't like it, brother, it's got to be gone. Tolerating. Tolerating. The the word of the week
3: is tolerating.
0: Because I've had kind of the facial growth in the goatee and I start getting the evil eye from Mrs. Reeves and it's done. It is done. It's got to be gone. This is what happens when we don't have team sports. (laughs) (laughs) This is what it digresses into. Absolutely. All right. So speaking of not having team sports, a lot of conversation about the baseball. We're going to wrap it uh, on this. So uh, Pri- okay, Price, I'm going to have fun. You, you guys, are, you've got Little League going in South Carolina, in Easley, South Carolina, right? And we don't have Major League Baseball. Why Why in the world do we not have Major League Baseball right now? But we do have video here of, of young Ben Atkinson. We're going full screen on this. Young Ben Atkinson is at the plate with uh, with Price taking the video. This is young Ben Atkinson. I'm showing him on the cursor. He's trying to take third on this play. The run has scored, but uh uh-oh, Dad, we're going to get tagged out. A questionable call there at third on young Atkinson last night. This is like the only baseball that we have right now, guys. And I've
3: I've been enjoying every second of it because it comes to an end on saturday um yeah I, one of the few little leagues that are playing right now and i was you know it was a proud dad moment because i didn't even think he was going to get to come back up to bat uh last night but i it, you know it was it was fun uh coming home it, just to be around the ballpark and be, and i didn't say the ballpark obviously but the field you know be around the game again i love baseball i mean it's what it's what summertime is you know and it's baseball time and you know, not having that, you know, has, has really stunk in just so many ways. Because sure. you love going to the ballpark with your family, having a dog, popcorn, you know, a soda, you know, snagging some foul balls. It's just, it really has, it it really has, it, it stunk. Not having it around, whether it be a minor league game, watching Braves games, watching, you know, Sunday night baseball, and you know, having some of the the premier announcers in all of sport, you know, who call baseball games. I think baseball announcers are some of the most talented at what they do because of having to carry so much airtime, But, you know, thank goodness the restart is near.
0: Yeah, I'm glad on that. Matt, I know you're in Phoenix uh, where, you know, the Diamondbacks obviously play. Um, and and the, in the West where the Dodgers are, where the Angels are. I mean, there's going to be some interest, some excitement. I won't speak for you, though, but we're missing this. We've missed it for April and May and all of June, and it's going to be the end of July apparently before we can even get it if they can get it restarted, and that's still an if at the moment, if they can get it started back up.
4: Well, and the thing is, all sports can't be viewed in the same way because baseball is a naturally socially distanced sport, unlike basketball and football. There was a unique opportunity for baseball to get ahead of the curve, play games starting in, you know, middle of May, uh, you know, early June, because it's naturally socially distanced. I think that you know the, uh, you know what would normally be the gimmick that was floated about having the runner on second base and extra innings. You know, in a pandemic, that makes sense because you don't want teams playing sixteen inning games. Right. You want these games to end. So in a pandemic, that makes sense. Uh, the other thing is that with a shortened season, this is a time to play double headers. You know, that's how you can get in a lot of games. Is so have d- teams playing double headers on weekends. So, that there's more television inventory. There were so many places for baseball to experiment and still get in, not a full length season, but like 80 games at minimum, yes. ideally 100, and it missed the boat. So, so that's a really real missed chance. But so they're going ahead with the season. And so, you know, I think one thing we have to acknowledge in sports, not just baseball, but also if the NBA restarts, if the NFL and college go ahead. We have to realize, and and, and lead, we need leaders in the sports like Nick Saban and Davos Winnie in college football, um, the LeBron and the NBA. Pe- I think people need to step up and say in these sports, you know what? These championships aren't going to be, you know, a normal championship. People need to say that directly. Right. And they need to say, hey, we're, we're doing this for the cameras. We're doing this for television money. You know, with this, we need to help the economy and prevent the various leagues and the various schools from falling off a financial cliff. People, we need to just be out there and say it and admit it. We're doing this for economic sustenance, you know, so that there isn't an economic disaster. I think people would readily grasp that. They'd still watch, you know, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't be quite the same. We already know that. We already already know it's not going to be quite the same. So there just needs to be that Frontal acknowledgement. We're playing sports for the cameras. You know, if we go ahead, we don't have to have the same meaning as a, a, a quote-unquote normal season because no one would believe that this is going to be normal. It's
0: not normal. Yeah. Nothing has been normal. Price. I know you got one final thought that the the magnitude of each game, each series, and each game is gonna is gonna heighten, especially when we get like 20 games in or 30 games in. Every game, huge. It's going to be like every game is a September.
3: Yeah, I mean, you're only playing 60 games. That is not – I mean, that's – hundred. I mean, you're normally used to 160, so you lop off basically three months. I mean, it's going to be almost a pennant race from the minute that you start. And so I think, I think what's going to happen is going to be incredibly exciting. What I think is going to be really interesting is the things, you know, like Matt mentioned, the gimmick of, you know, with extra inning games that are going to start with a runner on second um, I don't want to call it a gimmick, which I think everybody... who I've been talking about... Let
0: me interrupt. I've been talking about it earlier in the podcast. Are you thumbs up or th- thumbs down on starting the extra innings with a runner on second? Price? You know,
3: I, I, it really doesn't bother me either way. I mean, I'm more of a purist traditionalist. I would rather not have the DH, which I was about to say. I would rather right. not have it in the National League. Um, but basically what Matt said, this is an abnormal time and we're going to have abnormal seasons. There are going to be things that are done abnormally, whether you have in college football, you know, so a team that might have an outbreak of COVID, they may not end up playing for for two, maybe three weeks. I mean, I I could don't happen. think it's unrealistic for teams to not have the same amount of games played for whatever reason it might be during a college football season. Just like in in Major League Baseball, you know, this is abnormal times. How could they not, you know, put some of the things behind them? Everybody knows it was all about. two 2021 and the collective bargaining that they were positioning for then but you know this is just abnormal times and you know one of the things I'm really interested to see is how baseball themselves have changed the game so to speak uh for for different reasons how other games might change basketball and I don't go back to basketball so much but how the game might change a basketball because I can't think I think some of these NBA games when they restart in Orlando I think some of these things are going to resemble a lot more of an NBA All-Star game because I can't see a lot of these guys wanting to get up in each other's grill and pound on their sweaty bodies over and over and over again to put themselves at risk. So you know, baseball, which institutes changes versus, say, an NBA and some other sports where the things might just happen naturally, I'm fascinated to see.
0: We absolutely are. Final comment from you. I got about 90 seconds, Matt Zimmick. Take about 30. Are you thumbs up or thumbs down on putting a runner on second in extra innings to speed it up? You, you seem to be in favor of, hey, it's but, just a different yeah, year, in the game in, quicker. In
4: a pandemic, absolutely. But in a normal circumstance, hell no. That's not real baseball. <laughs> but here, and so, like, here's another thing about baseball just in the pandemic before we get a vaccine. Runners should not be held on by the first baseman, you know, because that's not socially distanced. So I think the only social distancing problem you'll have is batter catcher umpire. But you know, runners shouldn't be held on. I mean, I'm serious. That that should not be something that Am too- I
0: allowed to still tag somebody out? I saw a tag out in Price's son's little league game. I can go over and tag somebody, can't I?
4: <laughs> well you have to well, you have to tag, but you shouldn't hold runners on. I don't have to face your bases, you know, so what? Just strike tag. the guy out. Oh I mean, my in the pandemic, gosh. that's an adjustment that needs to be made. I mean, right. it sounds silly, but this is not normal. Understandable. And we should admit this is not going to be normal. And the sooner we all admit that if we play sports, it's not going to be normal, that will be better for everybody. We shouldn't think that we can return to this magical place where everything's going to be how it was before the pandemic. We cannot do that.
0: There is the final comment. We got to leave it right there, boys, and get out of here on this edition of Three Dog Thursday. My thanks also to Brian Edwards back at the beginning of the program. We didn't see him on the video. We saw Craig Calcaterra of NBCSports.com on video. Again, you're seeing Price Atkinson and Matt Zimmick on video as well. Find us on YouTube for the video. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. For now, we're done. Thank you for finding us here on Three Dog Thursday. Bye.